You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of the Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM. Welcome back to the Batuta Advocate Radio Show, recording live here in downtown Batuta, Budgie Smuggler Studios in the Old City District. You're joined today by myself, Clancy Overall, editor of the Batuta Advocate, and of course, Errol Parker, editor-at-large. A bit going on in Queensland this week. They've been able to neutralise the cluster, they think, yep. down there in, in South Brisbane. And Palaszczuk has announced that Queensland will be, Brisbane more specifically, will be holding the AFL Grand Final. What is it? Maybe a week after the state election? Yeah. 30,000 people capacity. First time it's ever left the MCG. There'll be a lot of filthy members of the Melbourne Cricket Club right now, I imagine. Uh There's only going to be about four or five blokes down the pineapple down there in Brisbane. Yeah, yeah. who, Who are keen for this contest, but you know. I mean, I reckon there'll be some dribblers. Depending on which team get in, there'll be dribblers that'll be coming up and isolating yeah, I don't for two think, weeks just to watch the fucking thing. I, I don't think that Queenslanders are a bandwagon fans. Unless the Lions have won three premierships in a row and look like they're getting a fourth. Then that's when Queenslanders <laughs> jump into AFL. But today we're speaking to a journalist who's been writing a lot about, uh, you know, the difference, the cultural differences between the Sunshine State, people from up our way, and, of course, the Southerners and, you know, the differences in games that we play and our politics. And that is Lech Blaine. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, guys. Great to be here. It's good to see some, uh, you know, aside from our esteemed organ, some uh, rural Queenslanders flying the flag for journalism, independent journalism in Australia. Mm-hmm. Now, where are you writing at the moment? Uh, writing for The Monthly, who yep. are based out of um, Melbourne. Yep. and. Um, Owned by a great man, Maurice Swartz. So, uh, yeah, it's one of the last bastions of yeah. independent journalism in Australia. You wrote an article, uh, it was titled The Art of the Class War, about uh, Peter Vlandis and how he's managed to provide a blueprint for all Australian sport to get back on this year. You know, with something like that, where you obviously can talk the talk, Lek is a you know, rural Queenslander and knows you, you obviously know your league. How do you pitch that to a Melbourne newspaper? Uh, I, I pitched it originally, and um, my editor, Nick Fike, this, this is after Volandis had done his press conference and said, when to get back on. And I was like, all in, I was like, oh, this is this is going to be like a, a great story. Because I my gut instinct was, having been following him for a little bit, was he's actually going to pull it off. Yeah. Like, I, like, I didn't yeah. think that he was full of shit. I yeah. thought that it was... Um, it was legit. Yeah. Uh, whereas, yeah, I think I think originally Nick was um, like most people thought. Oh, this is just some just loud a, mouth yeah, fucking yeah, this yeah. league yeah. administrator, piss, piss and wind from some yeah. guy in um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sydney. And then so as the weeks sort of went past, and Volandis was just generating so much publicity. Yeah, I think that it sort of become yeah just a bigger story. And then um, the trick for me was to to take it beyond rugby league and and sort of. Um, look at the the cultural issues mm-hmm. surrounding rugby league and that maybe a lot of people in the south don't pay too much attention to because yeah. with the afl you take take for granted it's just a behemoth yeah uh, you grow up in in the southern states and there's not really any other show in town yeah. in terms of football so yeah it was sort of an opportunity to to explore some of the stuff happening but then also tell like a broader story to people who might not have yeah. ever really looked into it before yeah did your opinion of peter volandis change after you met him and interviewed him 
I spoke to him on the phone, yeah. so so I didn't actually um, meet him in person. You didn't get to eyeball him. No, I didn't get to eyeball him. So that could have changed things yeah. <laughs> uh, massively. Uh, but height, all these things come into it when you're dealing with such a powerful man. <laughs> yeah, I know. Height. I, yeah. <laughs> we're, I think we're we're actually exactly the same height. Yeah, uh, right. So because he, he, he talks about his height quite frequently I yeah, think he's right. like 175 centimetres and so am I so I know I know what it's like to be underestimated by uh, by, by fellow man yeah by fellow men and um, so yeah I've, yeah I've been there I could I could empathise with, with the chip on his shoulder that he has about that but yeah I, I think originally I I thought that you know I wasn't really going in with any great axe to grind about him but I yeah. I was pretty suspicious about not so much his public popularity but how strong it actually was behind the scenes and how how legit he was mm. behind the scenes and you, it, start, you start getting worried when you yeah you you st- I, I was worried i was like surely the, mm. especially in rugby league i think we're we're so paranoid we're used to being let yeah, down yeah 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 everyone's used to being led down by their <laughs> yeah. heroes yeah so um so yeah i was like ready not not ready to get let down but mm. i i sort of thought oh surely this is a bit of a con job in terms of some yeah. of the pr but the more people that you spoke to who came from completely opposing sides of the yeah. of the various divides in rugby league they were all um you know they weren't all totally glowing about him some had misgivings about uh where he'd come from or his tightness with news limited for example but they all seemed to agree that he'd he'd done something which uh none of the other administrators before him had been able to do yeah. which was to actually just cut through all those divides and and sort of um provide some some strong leadership so i mean there's a there's a long way to go it's he's only been there it feels like five years but he's only been there since the, the end of last year but um it's a fascinating case study and and behind all the pr puff and the way that he he plays the media yeah, um, yeah. like like a fiddle there's actually a fair bit of substance in what he's trying to do i think for the for rugby league yeah it was great to see you also you know the way you were able to articulate how much the common man can respect someone like Peter Volandis and you also, you know, paired that with the elites and you don't often get to see it in writing, but the, the Mike Cartons and the Peter Fitzsimons and the Victorian racing executives talking shit about this man and just awakening a sleeping giant is basically what they've done. You know, there will be a time, I'm certain, when Everest is bigger than the Melbourne Cup. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm 100%... Yeah. I'm sure of that because... because well, it all comes down to money, doesn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. the... The Everest now is, you know, the richest turf race in the world, isn't it? Yeah, but I think in terms of popularity, he has it in him as someone who founded the Everest yep. in his role with New South Wales Racing. It'll be bigger than the Melbourne Cup. He might even get the public holiday that he's been chasing too. <laughs> and, I, and, and I think you underestimate just how it, how important that is for mm-hmm. um, for a lot of rugby league fans. Uh, yeah. and, and, and to a certain extent, you know, he, he plays a PR game. Even just to have someone that makes that makes the effort to make the right noises, and yeah, yeah, it, it actually does, and, and it's probably hard to relate if you come from an AFL background, which has a working class base, but it also mm. has that upper class base. Mm. How, how important it is to have someone that really appeals to to those people because they feel sort of, um, and it goes right across politics, like uh, they sort of feel left behind. And, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So it's like it's it's a lot bigger than sport, but he's sort of uh, played into that whole zeitgeist. Of speaking up for for the battler. So what you're saying is Bill Shorten shouldn't have gone running marathons with his wife <laughs> leading into an election. No, no. Well, I, 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 I don't know. This is something that I'll flesh out. I'm I'm writing a, a quarterly essay for next year about leadership and about the uh, sort of persona of the larrikin, and, yeah. and so that we'll look more closely at because now we've got two federal leaders who 
are both unabashed rugby league fans. You can mm. wonder how authentic yeah. uh, that is for, for Morrison, but he's certainly... Yeah. He's certainly um, elbow versus elbow. scomo. It's yeah, like yeah, all got the nicknames. You yeah, know yeah, I mean? it's it's very much a suburban Sydney. And yeah. the 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 problem for elbow is that he's probably the most legitimate yeah. sporting fan that we've had as a politician. Like yeah. he's he's yeah. legit. He's a type of guy. He was there. Yeah. He, he was there in the trenches during um, when when South were kicked out, and, yeah. and, and yeah. he was there the whole time. But the problem for him now is that he's coming up against someone who's almost more elbow than. Than yeah. elbow, like yeah. Scomo's sort of like yeah. taken, he has. taken this, t- seen this thing across the aisle and gone like, I need to, yeah, yeah. I can do this even yeah. better. And so, I think someone like Elbow would have, it would have been a lot more sharper discrepancy if he had have gone up against Turnbull. Yeah, but I, I don't think it would be quite as pronounced. But yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. It's a weird. It is, that is true. Elbow was doing that before it was even required of a mm. politician he was wearing a and before, he, before he even thought that it was he'd ever potentially be the leader of the party yeah, well, yeah. Like, that was um so th- so there in is fact, that stuff could have only been a hindrance back in the day when well, he was hanging around with russell crowe and james <laughs> packer and well, shit. it's the weirdest thing in the world like that like historically especially over in rugby league has it has a better place in australia than what it does in england where yeah. it's really shit upon by the establishment <laughs> yeah. and like you got used to get banned from playing rugby yeah. union forever yeah. if you even like were met with rugby league officials <laughs> and so the idea of like politicians trying to win elections by like chasing the rugby league fan is yeah. so foreign to like <laughs> anyone's understanding of australian social history like it's totally bizarre <laughs> that we've gotten to this point where as as trivial as it sounds i genuinely think that um Scott Morrison's avowed support for the Sharks won him so many votes. Oh, for um, sure. In New South Wales and Queensland, especially amongst fans who feel like they get shit upon, like yeah. who you'd talk to, um, and I'd travel around, and they, they'd say they hate all politicians. But they'd, if they just look for, if they're looking for like one thing to like differentiate that might just like lean yeah. them towards one person over another, yeah. like that's like his whole election pitch was yeah, like, I'm sure. a Sharks fan. It was like, yeah. He so, said uh, that. He said that walking into the Libs bill. He said, go the Sharkies. (laughs) So uh, how do you think he's been able to cultivate this, you know, because it was only a a couple of years ago that he said he was more of a rugby union fan and he's obviously had help from... And he was a Western Bulldogs diehard for a while, courtesy of Rodney Eid as well. he's, He's obviously had the help of the media, but, like, how do you think he's cultivated this image? Where he is helps him because he's... He's yeah. um he's in Sutherland and so when he got down there and the Sharks are the local team, the Sharks don't have a they're doing better now, but there was a there's a while there where nobody would have touched the Sharks at all. Yeah. And so they don't have a great they don't have like gatekeepers yeah. standing around like a, a club like South, if you rocked up and tried to present yeah. yourself as the biggest yeah. Rabbitohs fan in the world, there'd, yeah. there'd be a bunch of Mike pub- Whitney. Mike Whitney yeah, get yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. George Piggins would be yeah, would yeah. be ready to, yeah, to yeah, take yeah. strips off you, but like and rusty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there'd just be there be there's more gatekeepers around it. Yeah. So yeah. it's the same with the big AFL clubs in, in yeah. Melbourne. There's lot lots of people around. You'll get who, found out who, yeah. who would call you out. But I yeah. think the Sharks, because of historically they're one of the newer Sydney teams, they've mm. struggled to attract maybe that popular support. It was probably easier for him to become their number one fan, and yeah. and, they, and they were happy for that to happen. Yeah, St George. Like, see, St George was always. Howard and mm. and like those guys kept yeah. that all under wraps and the, literally the only person that Scomo would have had to impress was Eddinghausen and they're both at Hillsong <laughs> together so <laughs> we're laughing he's, he's straight in the he's number one ticket holder now yeah yeah which actually brings us to the next point you've uh you've written a very interesting yeah albeit confronting article about the Hillsong church it was an essay sorry that came out um 
this week. This is the most recent article you've done. Tell us a little bit about what you went looking for and what you found within the Hillsong Church and uh, you know within that culture, that growing community yeah, in yeah. Australia. Yeah, no, it was it was it was fascinating. Like, because yeah. you hear so much buzz about it, and um, yeah, for me, I, I come from the heartland of. Uh, Evangelical Christianity in Queensland, which is a Darling Down. So, yeah, right. um, but you really—that is a belt. You're right. Yeah, the, it's a yeah. Burnett down to the Darling Down. Yeah, so, and yeah. I, I was born in Kingaroy. Yeah, so, right. Um, yeah, yeah, really, really sort of followed, um, followed it around. But you really don't pay much attention to it when you're there. It's not like a. Um, I, I didn't really. I'm not a religious person myself. Didn't really know much about it. I'd sort of missed a lot of the, the media about it. Then it was obviously coming up a lot more. Mm. And yeah, so I, I, I guess I wasn't trying to. There's been a fair bit done about Hillsong and about about Brian Houston, but I sort of just wanted to experience Hillsong and sort of just filter through that. You know, it wasn't all weird. Like I like I rocked up to a congregation just near ANZ, the old ANZ Stadium. Or Funtarina. Yeah. 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 Uh, no, no, in uh, in Brizzy at in Mount oh, right. Gravatt. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Nathan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's Nathan, like the yeah. that's like the that's like the heartland. <laughs> Another um, belt. In Brizzy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so uh, it was just the most laid back casual yeah. social event it felt like you're at like like i felt like i was at a, a cricket barbecue like yeah. just a massive cricket barbecue and there was like bmx riders doing a lot like of, wheelies a lot of and, islander dance yeah yeah, yeah. Stuff. like really friend like really friendly dudes yeah, um, yeah. handshakes all around and yeah. and um yeah I, I i honestly felt like i was more like at a sporting breakup than yeah, a yeah. church yeah. congregation and so yeah, I, I just tried to ex- just tried to experience and filter that back and and just try and yeah give people an idea of, of what's actually what the experience of of yeah. those congregations are like and yeah it was just a really weird timing because of everything happening in Australia with the bushfires and yeah. so um, the bushfires were literally just taking off in New South Wales and so mm. I got this like commentary about the bushfires and he wasn't like waxing lyrically about them but this is uh, this is houston Houston, yeah yeah yeah. and it was just it was just interesting and i i certainly wasn't trying to because that's one thing that you realize is that it's not like one size fits all like that's you have this idea that anyone who's pentecostal they're signing up for this um wholesale theological beliefs but it's not like that like there's like a lot of different people there from completely different walks of life who just happen to have this like thing in common and so but yeah, I, I just thought it was just interesting because you don't. Morrison doesn't talk about his Pentecostalism in public, yeah. and I, I just thought that that was like a interesting way to just weigh up this phenomenon that lots of people have been talking about and sometimes spe- speculating wrongly about, yeah. uh, and just weighing it up and telling the story of the summer and and just giving giving people an idea. The word about the words you used, which I found were quite interesting, was a, a like almost an a, a apocalyptical positivity. Mm. Like optimism. Optimism, yeah. A guy at the barbecue that I went to on, on the first night had a, um, I don't know whether it was a heart attack or cardiac arrest or something, and I, I was gobsmacked. Like, and, and he was, they had ambulances coming and they had, they had right. do- doctors helping him and stuff, but I'm just standing there thinking, oh, this is this is all off or whatever. Like, there's yeah. no way that they'll keep on going with this. But there was like a few thousand people there. And then the, yeah. the, 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 usher, the ushers were just like... <laughs> Like yeah, like literally, like anyway, guys, like carry on, like come on, let's praise the, the Lord. The show's about to start. Yeah, and yeah. they got, they got didn't get a mention, and so yeah. it's just that that idea. And I yeah. don't think that that's like it's not like they're airbrushing it consciously, but yeah. there's just this real optimism, and they don't want to like kill the buzz or kill the yeah. mood. And yeah, then I once I got down to Sydney, I, I sort of went out to Western Sydney. I actually signed up for the TV for, on the internet. Uh, and so I started getting these Hillsong packs getting sent to me, which I thought I was getting for free. Um, 
unbeknownst to me, I was actually getting bung 60, really? 60 bucks a month. So they're like, good. They're I good, kept, mate. I kept on getting. I've kept on getting them. I'm like, how good is this? No wonder so many people are signing up. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. I finally checked my bank account for the first time in a couple of months, and I was yeah. like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We, uh, you know, I went out and saw a. Um, one of those monsters they had out in Western Sydney. We flew down to look at that. At the old impl- uh, Olympic. Yeah, the old Olympic. Yeah, just um, wanted to get a good look phones. at that. And one thing that I noticed, which was quite interesting, was, in my opinion, was the the noticeable class divide a little bit. With you know, we we were hoping to get inside. We wanted yeah. to see it in action. We wanted to see the big man on stage. But but, but we weren't prepared to pay three hundred dollars. <laughs> it was three hundred dollars for to get inside. So they they would say to us, "Are you paying delegates?" We're like, mate, this is fucking church. Like, I, and 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 it's all advertised in like that it's free. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. they prioritise the paying delegates. Yeah, yeah. And then I come think, as you and are. Like, you stay here if you want to. If there's seats left over to get inside and see this thing yeah, in yeah. Allphones Arena, which is apparently sold out by paying delegates, and they put us all like cattle in the middle of this like waiting area while the paying delegates walk past. And then there's a few seats open up, and they let a couple grandmas and you know a couple wheelchairs go in. And then they heard the rest of us into the non-paying delegate marquees where they're playing a live stream of what's happening inside. Oh, and it's rough. just like, oh, so we're with all the... This is where the actual poor people are. Um, <laughs> and and the people who actually, you know, yeah. religion's pl- playing a, you know, a role in yeah, their life yeah, in the same yeah. way it has for so many people in, you know, destitute kind of positions. Whereas I don't know what the fuck the paying delegates are getting out of this, you know yeah, what I mean? Other, yeah. than, other than an empty bank account. <laughs> well, no, no, it there was, was a it, lady in the line there when we were going into the marquee and she was like you look really sad i think you should try some tongue therapy <laughs> i was like excuse me yeah, i need more than tongue therapy <laughs> i need to get out of here yeah. i need to get out of uh, homebush that's what needs to happen no it's a, it's there's a talk about like the whole cultural phenomenon and you yeah. wouldn't think that there's really like a, th- a through line from like regional Queensland politics to like Hillsong to like rugby league but yeah and Houston talks about it about being sort of like shit upon by the the mainstream and yeah yeah by the mainstream media and I think that really feeds into his yeah. like his appeal because a lot of the people who are going are quite of quite humble means they're, yeah. they're getting they're getting a lot of like people with a fair bit of money but a lot of them are, are your Western Sydney battlers and, yeah. and so that sort of like plays into that that quite whole, multicultural a lot of migrant very very multicultural and, yeah. and yeah. very like in like a very not a tokenistic sort of way either like it yeah. felt very authentic like how integrated some of these recent arrivals felt within those congregations like it was totally authentic like i don't I, like um yeah it's hard to take a take a completely negative view yeah, to, yeah. to something that people are getting such meaning from and then i, I guess you just the thing that i sort of like just wonder about is like you got a guy like scott morrison who mentions in every press conference for a year about the Cronulla Sharks, who he's been, you know, supporting for how since many years? 2007. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or like, and <laughs> since maybe, pre-selection. Since since since, that, yeah. since Paul Gallen came back from the mm. from uh, from the peptide scandal. Like, I don't think he'd even fully jumped on before that. And so, <laughs> so like, oh, and that's totally fine because he's supporting his local club. That's great. Yeah, the the fact that so, this other part of his life that has to be integral to his yeah. life, even if he's not signing up wholesale to every single belief. Yeah. In terms of he doesn't mention it that much. What's he that? doesn't mention it that much. That, that's what I mean. Like it, was, it was it was pretty brave for him to bring the cameras in with him on the campaign mm, trailer. It was that that controlled mm. moment, and that like like I think that there was a lot of people that thought, oh, that's terrible. Like he's he's lost the election mm. there, but it actually helped him weirdly with yeah. not just the evangelical vote, which is quite sizable, and a lot of 
a lot of outer suburban seats, yeah. but just with people... Belief. In, yeah, yeah, just like yeah. there was this weird thing at the last election where all these people just were so nihilistic about politics and were like, nobody believes in anything. And yeah. there's, it was almost, I think that one of the things about his whole persona and the whole Larrikin persona, it just created this bit of nostalgia for like, like the John Howard nostalgia. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a Christian. He loves a, yeah, loves yeah. his sport. And it's like played into that whole, the way that Australia used to be. And yeah. so yeah. he didn't even, it's almost like the nostalgia that you get with like something like Brexit or with Trump yeah. without- Misplaced nostalgia. With, with, yeah. Without having to go to the same degrees of extremism maybe, but like mm. it appeals to that sense within people of like, who feel like they're losing control of their lives or they're losing control of their, their jobs or their finances. Oh, we can go back to how the, the way things used to be. And so he he really evokes that whole sort of early 80s, Bob Hawke, yeah. Um, yeah. Paul Hogan type. How good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, he sounds yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. and, and so when Hawke kicked the bucket. Two like, days before yeah, the election, Yeah, yeah, like rest your soul, like mm. great man. And, and everyone sort of go, went, oh, that, that's going to add, how many percentage points is that going to add to yeah. Labor's vote? And that was my assumption as Everyone well. Everyone was saying that. It was yeah. the same yeah. Like you're saying, it's like those it was, photos in the Hillsong, in the Hill, taking them into his Assemblies of God's, you know, gathering on the campaign trail, that's not going to help him. Bob Hawke dying is not going to help him. And no one can say anything. No one can predict anything politically anymore. Because I'll tell you what, what's happening outside of that, we found it was like that day he went to church, I was like, oh, he might, he might be in trouble here. Mm. Uh, as you said, it was a controlled environment, but he still had his eyes rolled back with his hand in the air. Mm. And then we go, well, what, what, about, what did Bill Shorten get up to today? Bill Shorten runs a marathon with his wife saying, mm. Chloe Shorten's husband. So, that's probably probably worse in terms of uh, you know appealing to the base. Mm. And then that same day, ScoMo takes the cameras from the Hillsong Gathering to the Easter show out at Homebush, and he's eating Dagwood Dog. He's eating in every press shot. Outside of church, he's eating and having a <laughs> yeah. schooner. And then he takes them to the sharks. <laughs> I mean, that's... You can you can throw a bit of church in there if you want, but that, that's yeah, going to appeal knows, to much more people. He knows what he's doing, though. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, that, and that's what I mean. They had it with the 2019 election over in Britain where they had this yeah. idea about this Workington man who was mm. like... It was like a bioconservative think yeah. tank that they needed. This was like the voter that mm. from the north of, of England who'd always voted for Labour and was going to switch to, um, yeah. to, to vote Tory for the first time in their lives. And it actually ended up... Um, happening in some of those seats and which is this weird thing where you've got leaders who you you wouldn't think for a million years would appeal to those mm. those people but what morrison does by embracing these cultural traditions so without any sort of cultural cringe whatsoever is that he, he's just he's making people feel good about themselves and yep. he's making people who sometimes a lot of the time feel bad about themselves feel good about themselves yep. and that's like a really powerful thing and he doesn't even need to do anything with policies to do, to achieve it like that's why it's almost like but he got he got there by accident because yeah. like he he got lumped with the leadership. He didn't have much time left, and he was like, "This is the only option that I have." And it, yeah. it was actually it worked. And as much as like you can, you don't want to promote some sort of like race to the bottom in terms of like having two leaders who are trying to outbloke each other. Like yeah. when you've got electorate that's never been more diverse or progressive in a yeah. lot of ways. But a lot of those voters who you talk about through regional Queensland and, and, and stuff, that's uh, that's where you're done, where, where some of the short, shortens like, um, yeah, the, the exercise, and I love running as much as any, like I, yeah. I'm like, I'm a marathon runner, I run yeah. as often as possible and I actually look quite a lot like Bill Shorten when I'm running. So, <laughs> yeah. so I, I, I empathise with the guy completely, but like 
you don't want to tell him to like tone it down because that's like a yeah. it's a healthy thing or whatever. But yeah. like, yeah, that's that's the sort of thing that like that doesn't it, appeal to people that, who that, willingly vote for George Christensen. Mate. No, 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 <laughs> yeah. no. That's like that's like the you talk about like the whole culture war type thing, and mm. yeah, uh, it's it, not a political statement, but it's just um, it's just reality. Like yeah. it's just reality, unfortunately. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think that. Albanese will will um, neutralise that to. He'll a be able extent. to slob it up a bit, you reckon? Yeah, well, yeah. he's he's as Alba I just tweeting from the couch at home. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, you know, that similar thing kind of with in Australia as England, as you're saying, you know, there's these seats flipping in the north. You know, people in towns in England that would would have literally killed Margaret Thatcher if she mm, walked through mm. town, you know, in the eighties. All those old mining towns, Billy Elliot, you know, all that—that mm, mm. that kind of part of the world—are all flipping a little bit because they got caught up in this Brexit thing, and it's, you know, it's a cultural conservatism as opposed to, you know, you oh, know. massively. And like my like my old man's was from Ipswich. His his old man was a blacksmith on the railway, was a trade unionist, vice president of the Queensland Iron Workers Union, and so you have this generational gap where it goes from my grandfather to my dad who was a small businessman and publican and Howard cab, cab, cab driver stuck with labor because yeah. he was he was hardcore because right. he'd been raised that way but a lot of the people throughout those areas yeah. that, they were the ones that actually flipped to one nation yeah uh, and it's <laughs> quite his his older brother George who was like a local absolute rugby league legend in mm. in um, in Ipswich he won the the Bulimba Cup the, the last time they won the Bulimba Cup and I right. think like 66 the Jets uh, no, this is before before the Jets. Yeah. They won the Bulimba Cup. It used to be between Ipswich, Brizzy, and Toowoomba. Yeah, and so yeah. he was a fullback in the Ipswich team. And so he went out and did went into business, did really well for himself out of business. Was completely different to Dad. He switched sides and went over the Liberal side. Yeah, he ran for them in the '93 election, then got knifed uh, at the the pre-selection for Oxley before the next election by Pauline Hanson, right. who subsequently, yeah. So who, he was, who still, she still ran on a Liberal she, ticket. She ran on a Liberal ticket, then yeah. eventually yeah. Ha- had to leave, and, and that's how One Nation yeah. happened. But yeah, so... She, she almost did what Fraser Anning did to her. Like, she <laughs> got in on the Liberal ticket and yeah, then immediately yeah, yeah. formed One Nation. Yeah. Yeah, so strange cultural thing. Like, it's like this... Yeah, well, same um, thing's happening all the way up. You know, those seats, George Christensen, for example, some of those booths in the Whit Sundays were, mm. you know, they were red back mm. in the day, and... Uh, the Whit Sundays, at a state level, is the only part of the world where a, a member of the Communist Party has been mm. elected. Like that was Mackay, that kind of part of the world. They elected a communist. It was a Sydney man that came up with some ideas that they yeah. all appreciated. But from there, they've flipped. You know, they've gone to George Christensen. I don't think. This is my question to you: Is do you think that everyone mythologizes how left? You know, the trade union movement was because a lot of people like to think the CFMEU are these uh, secret you know gentle giants that mm. love gay people and they love uh, migrant communities and they're very progressive and no it's and, a it's a it's a, ma- it's a massive cultural gap and yeah. i had that massively between yeah. me and my old man who yeah. was like old school yeah. labor mm. um and so he was he was like a president of a branch up in toowoomba that was etu they were really left wing they campaigned against privatization but culturally Electricians, weren't they? um yeah and like so so your ergon workers and, yeah. and that sort of thing and they were, so they were they, they were pretty noisy under yeah, Joe, weren't they? they? And, but they <laughs> and they were noisy under um, under Bly. They ended up switching on 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 her, so yeah. um, and campaigning against her. So that was a cult. They they were still culturally quite conservative, yeah. but they had they were left wing economically. Yeah. And so I had numerous arguments with my old man, and who who was you know wasn't completely out there, but like his highest priority was looking after the rights of the workers, increasing pensions, that that's that sort of stuff. Whereas like I was a teenager, 
vote yes, Dad. Yeah, yeah. Like I was coming through. You know, um, this is Cronulla right sort of time. Yeah, right. Last years of the Howard government, and my priorities are like climate change, mm-hmm. gay rights, reconciliation, and so the, the economics for me because I we were still lived pretty humbly when I was a young kid, but by the time I was a teenager, I was going to a private school. So I've got like a completely different, you know, I'm reading books and um, I've got the internet at my fingertips. So I've got like a completely different world at my fingertips than what my old man did. Dead Poet Society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was working in the the summer of the Cronulla riots. I was working in the Bottolo at the Burnbridge Tavern out in Oakey, which is... Ellen yeah. Jones's old yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hometown, and so I've Basically got basically a hole in the ground now. Isn't yeah, it? so yeah. yeah, 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 because of the because of the mine. But I've got I actually had just got my eyebrows shaved off at a party, the first party that I went to. So I was serving these abattoir workers who were coming off with the you know fuck off with full type stickers on the yeah. car. They got Ellen Jones pumping in the mm. the um, and and they're just giving me absolute gobfuls. And I've got like novels on the David Maloof novels on the counter and stuff. And so they were just <laughs> absolutely absolutely giving it. Uh, I, I, I had the bell jar on the counter one day, and this this old farmer was just uh, like I can't I won't repeat what he what he said, but like it was this real cultural yeah. That, and, that, and those were the Labor voters back then that, too. That, that, oh, the yeah, ones who got, like, yeah. They got Kevin in. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so that it was just this weird, like this whole thing. And then that was an eye opener for me in terms mm. of like, in in terms of that, like when you are on the, somewhere like the Darling Downs, where I, I think it was like two years after that, there was like a a murder connected to the KKK, and so yeah. um, which is pretty out there and like random. Yeah, like I'm yeah. not saying that sort of stuff's like happening every week or anything, yeah. but like the teacher who helped, uh, who was an accomplice to the the teen who shot his brother was the father of a kid who went to my school yeah. my, my catholic school in toowoomba and so yeah it did it, it it sort of did feel like the deep south in a way yeah. a lot of saffers moving to toowoomba too aren't they yeah yeah yeah, yeah, massively. yeah yeah and, yeah. and in, in those years it felt like something um it was quite eye-opening but then mm. you take that away and you sort of move away and, and you try and use that to try and understand because mm. not not every this is a those people who are giving me a gobful and calling me a poofter or a faggot or whatever because I'm reading a book. Uh, that, that's, that's not everybody that came through the drive-thru. Yeah, yeah. So like it's like, yeah, it's just it's. Do, do you think it's important? This is and this is. I guess we've spoken about all of this today. Do you think it's important to have more journalists like you who have been able to work at a drive-through bottle shop out in Oki? Yeah. Did you you know is that important? That, that is important, surely. And there's not much of that coming through. The ranks. Oh, I, I, don't, I don't know. Like there's I, you and Rick Morton. Yeah, yeah. Rick Morton. He's he's he's, he's from way out. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a, <laughs> he's from out here. He's way out, and then he and then he and then he moved. Once he moved in, he was in the um, God's Country as well, which yeah. is like a Ram Burner and stuff. So yeah, yeah. yeah oh, it's I, beautiful Ram I mean, I, I yeah, I, I didn't study journalism, so I don't really know. You don't know the pathway. I, yeah. I don't know the pathway. Well, I don't know. know. I don't know who's coming through. Like like everyone know. in journalism knows that going to university to study journalism is a scam <laughs> like there is there is absolutely no reason why you need to go to university if you want to be a journalist mm. it's, it's just it's a waste of everyone's it's such a, oh, oh, such it's a, a long scam. degree it's four it's years it's a fucking ponzi scheme <laughs> tertiary journalism what is the fuck do you need to spend four years learning how to get drunk and overhear people <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, I, well the, so before i started working mm. with the monthly which was completely random like mm. i my editor for my publisher, his brother's the editor of the monthly, and so that's how it came about. I would ne- never would have probably got a look in otherwise. Yeah. yeah, I got that lucky break. I'd just been running a motel up in Bundaberg for like two years, yeah. two and a half years, and so in a weird way, which was just the weirdest fucking experience. Yeah, like, running like, a I, motel in Bundy. Yeah, that like talk a, about um, that's on a different level to motel? working in a bottle shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you just have like 
prostitutes, meth yeah. dealers, meth heads. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, like not. Oh, I was about to say not every day, but yeah, like it was yeah. probably it was a nearly three every star day. motel though. It was a three star motel. Yeah, three stars. Three star. Yeah, it was ninety five dollars for a queen suite, one hundred twenty dollars for the honeymoon suite. Ooh. That would sort out a lot of the riffraff. Well, no, the, the, the riffraff would come in, and they would. Uh, it was always the business reps who were looking for the cheaper deals. It was yeah. the riffraff. That's when you were worried when they were looking for the honeymoon suite. They yeah. were like, get us that room with the with the big spa bar. So they were yeah. always tr- the heart shaped spa yeah, bar. Yeah, they were always trouble. But I, I honestly reckon um, running that and that like you know that drove me to the edge of like a nervous breakdown a few yeah. times because it was just so. And I never would have done it. I did it. It sounds I, like a big. Oh my my <laughs> old man had, had died, so I, like I I wouldn't have chosen to do it. But yeah. in a weird way, it was like an incredible experience as well in terms of like talking to people mm. which i'd already done a fair bit growing up because i'd grown up in pubs and and um in, in a foster family so there's always lots of different people around but yeah something like that we've always got to try and synthesize people's lives and information it was like a really good grounding for actually for going into journalism and then when mm. when you're having like a conversation with someone mm. and that was really scary at first because i didn't have any training yep. but after the first few times I'd done interviews, I was like, this is a piece of piss, like, because the stakes compared to the levels of physical threat, yeah. sometimes that you'd be under at 3am in the morning when you've yeah. got like a meth head <laughs> um, beating up another meth head or, or, yeah, or something. Yeah. Like, it's a completely different level of stakes. Yeah, so yeah. I was just like, this is fine. Like, it's like your career equivalent of a early morning cold shower. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like there's, <laughs> nothing, there's nothing else then, happening to this day that's going to be tougher than yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. And know? then you'd yeah. look these people up yeah. in, the, in the paper and it'd be like the Bundaberg Newsmail and they would be like, They'd be in the Bundaberg News Mail eight times, arrested with machete, uh, handguns and stuff. And you and you'd know that they were there. That's a wild you, part of the world. You, you'd know that they were in the, still in their room. You'd just be like, I wonder who that what I wonder who that guy like he seems a bit rough. You'd look him up and you'd be like, Oh, I've got to evict this guy. Like yeah. yeah, it's like it's wanted over the mis- disappearance of like, Yeah, yeah. Oh, that is. Uh, well, that's a great way to get into journalism. Yeah. I look forward to reading some of your yarns about yeah. that, that chapter of life. Yeah, no, it was. But, but um, somehow you managed to start to write your first book while you were doing all that shit. Yeah, I don't think I think because I'd been studying in Brizzy, yeah, and I'd actually just started studying creative writing, which I'd never done. But was I just said uh, creative industries UTS. No, no, it was it was at, <laughs> is at uh, UQ. Yeah, right. So, right, so right. I, I'd Fancy. never I'd never done it before, and um, and I did a year of it. Yeah, I don't know whether I was really ready ready for that or got much yet. Um, like, I was still writing fiction. Yeah. Like, it wasn't the worst, but it was, like, really just thinly veiled autobiographical fiction. But it was, like, the least lin- interesting things about my life because yeah. I didn't want to write about all the yeah. dark, heavy yeah. shit. I just, yeah. like, it was about me, yeah. you know, dating girls. and But it was, like... A bit more maloof. I changed <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, I'd changed, changed the name and I'd changed the... Make the, the male character, like, a bit, like better looking or whatever like than I am better hung than I am yeah yeah um, Lech Blaine fan fiction yeah yeah but then once I got to to Bundaberg and I and yeah it was was it was like pretty tough Mm. because um, I had my brother up there but he's got three kids so he had had a different life to me and so you're the one running in at two in the morning yeah 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 yeah. and and he'd run it previously he's 120 kilos so he was a lot better at it than me but he was off site now so I didn't have him to sort of like look after me and so there was just a lot of times where where I had like a lot of t- even with all the work, you get a lot of downtime still, yeah. and so it was just I think out of like pure like loneliness and like frustration, I was just like started throwing out some of like the the hardest darkest shit that I'd been through, and yeah. and, I, and writing about it in a way that wasn't 
that that wasn't I wasn't trying to sort of like stylize it too much or or change anything around I was just like let's just get this out and that once I did that I realized that like I'd just been wasting my time trying to write about anything else yeah. um, because the experiences were just we're way more relatable to to not just your creatively minded people but your everyday people who might yeah. not who might not pick up a book otherwise and that's the sort of like I, I wanted to connect beyond just like a literary audience yeah, yeah. You, you've got you've got one you, you've got your book was due to come out later this year but COVID's obviously bumped a lot of things yeah. around that'll be autobiographical I'm guessing yeah that's a that's a memoir um, yeah. called called Car Crash a mm-hmm. memoir and outside of that we were wondering today with your um writing you know books and how you know when you're churning out essays the size you are it, you know I'm surprised this the memoir hasn't been bumped another 10 years because you know I, I don't know how, how long did that Vlanders story take that took Oh, all, that, all of lockdown, right? Yeah, it was like two and a half months, and I yeah. and I did so many interviews that I mm. never ended up using and stuff. Yeah. Which, like, yeah, it's hard not to just be completely obsessed by a subject when you're given that much space. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah, I I, I think that that will be the the discipline after I because there's other books I want to write about mm. the foster care system and yeah. about um, yeah. some of my other experiences, and that will be like the discipline is being like because it's really easy when you're dealing when you're trying to write about hard shit yeah. to be like. Oh, I'm gonna it's I'm gonna jump onto a ten thousand word essay about Peter Volandis. It's like the greatest <laughs> thing in the world yeah, because yeah. You, it's like procrastination mixed with like yeah, yeah. you're following your yeah. your gut instincts in terms of like newsworthiness and well, stuff. It's the same with the Hill song, right? That's a yeah, good yeah, like, mix yeah. up. Go well, down and and it, it's just like sometimes, obviously, right? Like especially writers and journalists give themselves can be too self pitying in terms of like oh this because I've got like a sister who works with kids who've got. Um, you know, alcohol fetal, fetal syndrome and stuff. So I'm like, oh, no, you know, if I feel stressed, then, you know, it's nothing compared to what a lot of people are, are working yeah. with. But when I, when I would finish those articles, like, I just feel like absolute, like, just feel empty, hey, like, just yeah. because you just it, it obsess about this thing for so long and then you finally put it out and then you cut all this stuff which you, you think is integral and you, you're never really yeah. happy with what you end up putting it out. So I'm nev- yeah. I never really like. There's a crash. Coming. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sure. And there's yeah. no, I've never really been like, Oh, I nailed that. Like, which is a good good way to be in some ways because that that makes you sort of like hungrier to try and get the get yeah. the story down pat. We um we don't actually have that with our books because we just steal best <laughs> articles of the year off the internet, back off it. We Google it and then uh, strip it together and put it in an annual. But- oh, there's a bit more work. You just you just you just crash for all of yeah, for yeah. all of yeah. January. Yeah, it's then awful. we got Tim and, and, it's and we, we conveniently just- here for Christmas. And <laughs> jam it into Uncle Tom's fucking Santa sack. And yeah, you're yeah, done. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ten to twelve emails back and forth uh, for the for the cover design. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's the um. <laughs> That's that's the aim, but I'm sure you'll be releasing your book around the same time of the year too, around that October, November. No, it's uh, look, look, April, April next year. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, out for Mother's Day. Mm. Yeah, beauty. Oh, well, we look forward to mate. We look forward to reading much more of your stuff. No worries. Yeah, no, it's been a blast. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Thanks for coming on. Thanks a lot. Lech Blaine on a Tutor Advocate.